So, um, so as we get into or, or, you know, we looked at it and there will not be a quiz each week. Uh, last time I taught, I had to do the pre-quiz on trying to draw out the tabernacle, but I will probably be hitting that from time to time because I want to burn into your mind and into your heart the concept of the tabernacle and how we can approach the Lord's uh, glory uh, in, in his presence. Uh, today, we're going to get into the kind of the first phase. And I, I, you may remember from, from a few weeks ago that there's always in the tabernacle story, there's a parallel between God telling Moses in the mount what to do and then Moses coming down and doing it. And so we will always, and I've called it the design and build, okay? That's a that's a uh, uh, an architecture term or architecture phrase. So there's the design, that's the part where Moses gets the instruction and then there's the build, the way they actually do it. So in Exodus 25, one through seven, and the Lord spake unto Moses saying, speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it will, willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them, gold and silver, <clears throat> excuse me, and brass and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen and goat's hair and ram's skin dyed red and badger skin and shittim wood, oil for the light, spices for an anointing oil uh, and for, for sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and the breastplate. So we see that as the edict, if you will, the design, the, the pattern. And then we also see in Exodus 35, the build and Moses spake under the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, this is the thing which the Lord commanded. Take ye from among you an, uh, an offering unto the Lord, whosoever is of a willing heart, and let him bring it. An offering of the Lord, gold and silver, brass, etc., just the exact same things uh, down through the, um, uh, through the rest of that passage. And so it's really important that we, today we start with this concept of the offering, we start with the offering. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the chance to get together in your word. We thank you for the clarity of it. I pray that the things that you've burned into my heart, that I would communicate them effectively. But Lord, we need you to show up. We need your Holy Spirit to do the teaching. Uh, you've promised that in your word. And so we love you. We uh, trust in that promise today in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have... Um, and I just realized I don't have the keyboard. So, um, oh, I've got this. Never mind. Never mind. I, I, really, I forgot I had it. So the, the off, I did, and it's been right there, and I've even used it two times. Um, so the offering, bring an offering. Now, bringing is not a passive activity, okay? Now, we in the, what century are we in? The 21st century? That always messes me up because it's the 21st, but they start with the 20s because the zeros were the first one, right? Okay. So we're in the 21st century, and I don't know the last time I can remember writing a tithe check. I mean, A, Michelle typically manages that, but uh, there are some people that have auto pay. Uh, set up on their, and, and look, I'm not bashing you if you do that. Praise the Lord. You're being obedient, okay? But it's fundamentally different than the way it was. Offering to the Lord should not be a passive activity. Now, at some point you set that up with purpose, right? Uh, but you need to make sure you stay on top of it. It's interesting. There are 51 verses where the word bring 
and the word offering are tied together, okay? Several of those verses, that phrase or that connection happens multiple times. You don't trip into an offering. You bring an offering. It's an active thing that you do, okay? It's not passive. Go ahead and look at Luke 21 for just a, a few minutes, Luke t- or a few moments. Luke 21. And this is obviously the story that Jesus is telling about uh, the, 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 the uh, w- uh, poor widow woman and contrasting it uh, to the, the rich uh, in Luke 21. I'll get there at some point. Starting in verse 1. And he looked up and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain uh, poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, of truth, I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast into the offerings of God. But she of her penury hath cast in all the living that she hath. So literally in four verses, five times you see the word casting or cast. The offering is not something that is taken from you. The offering is something that you give. You say, wow, I came all the way through the rain for Mitch to tell me that an offering is something you give as compared to something you've taken. Well, there's more, trust me. Okay? So, but, but, but we can't be passive about our giving. Okay? And, the, and I'm not even talking financially, actually, at this point. I was a little burdened in my heart that this message was, was about financial giving it's it's actually not you're going to see here in just a few minutes they this is not financial giving technically this is giving of themselves okay and well we'll definitely see that next week as we we talk uh, well in future weeks as we talk about um the the workmen of the the tabernacle but this casting process is a, is an interesting one when i was um in uh, Zambia, Africa, and this has been 15 plus years ago, probably 18-ish years ago, uh, I was in Zambia, Africa, and they do offerings a little different there, right? So what happens when we take up our offering? We pray for it, and then we pass some sort of basket, plate, bag, something, okay? And does the offering bag look like a magician bag to anybody else? It's like, look, I'll put in my offering and I'll pull out a rabbit. Um, don't pull anything out of the offering bag. That's a bad, bad point. But it does look weird to me, but that's okay. It's all in love. All right. So, so, sir? It's like the Plinko chips and Price is Right. Oh, I forgot about the Plinko chips and Price is Right. That's true. That's that too. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So in Africa, though, they do it a little different. You walk up front and you cast your money into a basket. And the pastor might look at you and be like, nope, that's not sufficient. I know you make more money than that. Pony up. I mean, it's a very public, very public thing. So we're a lot more discreet, right? I saw a video on social media about a lady. She was preaching in her church. Like, I don't, she was an usher, so she wasn't actually preaching, but she was letting people have it about crumpling up their dollar bills. And she had, has anybody else seen this? She had to go buy an iron to iron out the dollar bills. Don't crinkle it up. It's a dollar whether you crinkle it up or not. It's funny. You ought to look it up. But she's letting people have it, okay? Offering should be a very, hear, hear me out, public 
concept, not because we want to triangulate how much you make, not because we're looking to see who's faithful and not. It's because you've got nothing to hide. You just, just lay it out there. Just cast it into the offering. Okay? And again, you're going to find this is not about checks and money. Okay? This is about you and everything you have. Okay? So look at 1 Peter 2 5. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up for a spiritual, uh, built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood. Why? To offer up spiritual sacrifices. Part of the function of the building of the church is to actually offer up sacrifices. Now, thank God, I'm probably, you know, a few weeks ago, I, I had to kill a, a, a bunny. I was a baby bunny. It was a bummer deal. My son was mowing. Happens. Didn't quite do the job with the mower, so dad had to finish it. And I'm not a fan. Like, that's not necessarily the thing I want to do. Like, I don't wake up and think, what could I kill today? Right? So I'm glad that I don't have to bring an offering. I'm glad that I wasn't a priest who my day was spent, you know, sacrificing animals, right? But I, praise God, I don't have to do that. But I do get the opportunity to function as lively stones, as a spiritual house, specifically the process of, of, of uh, spiritual sacrifices, like there's things I need to get out of my life and lay on the altar. So this brings us to our first building lesson. So these are the takeaways that you'll have as we go through the tabernacle. The building lesson, be an active participant in your giving. Don't be like, well, I brought home $100, so I'm going to give the Lord 10 and I'm done. Like be an active participant, pray about it. Is that sufficient? Do you need to give more? Is some, the Lord laying something on your heart? Do you need to sacrifice to get somebody else on the mission field uh, to, to send uh, you know, somebody on a mission trip or something? Be an active participant in your giving, okay? Psalm 98, six, it's very, really cool. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Like, I mean, a lot, so I've had a few people over at my house and I've visited people at their house and it's not uncommon for people to bring a gift, you know, a little plant or uh, some, some food that they're, they're contributing to it or, or any number of things that people have, have given or, or, or we've offered uh, when we've gone. You, you know, we kind of need to do that same kind of thing with the Lord. Now, I'm not talking every week you need to come in with a, a chicken pot pie. I don't know where that came from, but you don't need to come in with something like that offering. With You need to come in prepared to lay your life on the altar. You need to come in prepared, coming into his courts. I would argue requires an offering. Don't be passive about this. Please don't be passive about it. Okay, so then let's look at the, the next phase that giveth it willingly with his heart. Now, I think on your page you have, I'm going to scroll here. Um, what do these verses have in common? What do these verses, so not just the verse that we're looking, the verses that we're looking at, right? So back in, and they're on the top of your page, right? Um, in Exodus 25 and Exodus 35, those two verses <laughs> coupled with these three verses First Chronicles 29.9, then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with a perfect heart they offered willingly unto the Lord. And then in Ezra 7.16, and all the silver and gold that thou 
canst find in all the province of Babylon with the free will offering of the people and the priests offering willingly. And the people blessed all the men in Nehemiah 11.2 that willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. What do all these have in common? And no, it's not the willing offering because I underlined and bolded that. that was, that's too obvious. What's the underlying theme of the two passages in Exodus and these three passages in Second or First Chronicles, Ezra, and Nehemiah. Does anybody know what links these five passages together? What? No, go. Building. They're building. They're all building. Yeah, keep working on it. You're close. What? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. That's true. They are willing. That's a willing sacrifice. What were you saying, Chrissy? Uh, like they rejoice. They bless. Yep. Like that's true. That's that it that there's there's more to it than that. You were getting dangerously close. Every one of them is building a place of worship. Every one of them. The two passages in Exodus are building they're building the tabernacle. In for, in First Chronicles, they're building the temple. In Ezra, they're rebuilding the temple. And in Nehemiah, they're moving to be with the temple. It's really interesting to me that the five times that a will, a people willingly offered themselves is tied to worship. It's tied to a place of worship. Now, you could argue, and many pastors and preachers have, that it takes El Dinero to build that. But it's more than that. Especially notice this last one. They were willing to just move there. There were some people that needed to move there to help with the process. I'm going to be extremely blunt with you this morning and say every time our church starts a church somewhere, you should seriously pray about whether you should move. Not saying you should move. I'm saying you should seriously pray about whether you should go. That's the kind of willing offering that we need to be individually. Like, I love having you guys. I love ministering alongside of you. I really, really do. It's an honor. But I don't want you here if God doesn't have you here. Like, if you're supposed to be somewhere else, you're supposed to be somewhere else. So please, every time you hear about a new church plant, I mean, honestly, you should pray about Vietnam. You should pray about Nairobi. You should pray about the next town. You should, you should have prayed about Boston and Tampa. Please continue to do so. Lee Summit, nah, nobody likes Lee Summit. But... <laughs> Don't pray about that. I'm kidding. Dan's going to kill me if he hears this. Like, but pray about whether you're supposed to go. Pray about whether you're supposed to be there. Pray about whether you should sacrifice and willingly offer, offer yourself, your family, are there things your kids might miss out on? Are there things that your career might miss out on? Are there experiences your family might miss out on? Yes. When we moved to Missoula, Montana to help a church, church plant, there was a lot of turmoil, a lot of turmoil in both of our families. You know, miscarriages that we weren't here for to support our brothers and sisters. Uh, one went to prison. We weren't here for, to support that. Like, there were things... That, our, that we missed out on ministering with our family because we moved away. It's going to happen, but that is a willing offering. I just think it's really interesting that these things are tied to a place of worship. It continues, 
And, and, and look at Exodus 35. Now, this isn't in the passage that is on the top of your page. So if you're not already in Exodus and you were just reading along in on the page, but go ahead and turn to Exodus 35 for a moment. It's the second passage that I've referenced, but it's, or same, it's in that same area, but it's farther down the passage. Notice in Exodus 35 and verse 21, I'll look at, I'll pick it up in 20. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up and everyone whom his spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for all his service and for the holy garments. That's the response to this charge. The response to the charge of, we need this stuff, y'all bring it. We need this stuff to build the tabernacle, y'all bring it. The response is right there in verse 21. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him up and everyone whom his spirit made willing, and they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle of the congregation for all his service and for the holy garments. So giving starts with a charge, starts with a, a command in some cases. It starts with an, an encouragement in some cases. It starts with a, 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 a display of the need in some cases. And then the next thing that happens is a stirred heart. It's not shaken, it's stirred. Thank you for rolling your eyes. Okay, it's a stirred heart. I don't know how to describe this, but I guarantee everybody in here has had a stirred heart at some point. You know, like, and if you haven't, let's talk afterwards because like you may not be alive. Like there may be something serious. Like you've been stirred about something. You've had a stirred heart and that precedes the willing spirit. So I can't tell you how many times I've had a stirred heart on something and guess what? I didn't do anything about it. And I bet you're in the same boat. You've been stirred. You see pictures. You see a, a missionary at Mission Focus present on a field. Your, hearts gets, your heart gets stirred, but you don't do anything about it, right? So there's the first thing is a charge to give. There's a, an obvious need. The second, your heart gets stirred. And then what's the next thing? A willing spirit. That actually means you're going to do it. You're going to do it. And then lastly, you actually bring it. Now, it's interesting to me that a willing hearted, the willing hearted in verse 21, and everyone whose heart stirred him up and everyone whom his spirit made willing, and they brought of the Lord's offering. Now, potentially that's everybody, but not necessarily. The implication actually is that some didn't give because they didn't have a stirred heart. They didn't have a willing spirit. And, and I guess that's okay. Like we're not, we're not going to, we're not going to take you and sh- turn you up, pick you up by your feet and shake you until the coins fall out of your pocket. Like we're not that kind of church. I mean, we talk about giving in the context of biblical obedience and making sure you do what you're supposed to do before the Lord, but you don't see our pastors. I don't think I've ever gotten up in front of him and you need to do this, like, or like we're going to guilt you and shame you into giving to X, you know? 
We don't have campaigns to raise money to buy this building or to renovate it, okay? That's not how we roll here, okay? We don't put the guilt trip on people to give. We trust that the Holy Spirit, if you're listening to him, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will stir your heart and, and cause your spirit to be willing to give. That's how we're going to do it. Some won't give, and that's okay. Guess what? The work of God will get done. The work of God will get done. But it's really interesting to me. It's really cool. I, so, so part of the reason asking the Bible characters is, I don't know, there was a, a Jedediah or a Samuel or a, another Moses or another uh, Jacob, another Abraham in the children of Israel, right? There's all these people who gave and for years, they got to look at the tabernacle and say, I gave to that. Some of that badger skin, I delivered. The, the, the ephod, some of those stones, I found and gave. Some of the brass, some of the gold, I willingly gave. They, they literally, every time they brought up their sacrifice, they had ownership, if you will, in the conceptual sense, ownership in that tabernacle. I want you to have ownership in this ministry. That takes you giving. Sometimes it is monetarily, but sometimes it's just buying in. Actually, a bigger part is buying in. So the next principle, allow giving to be a voluntary act of worship right? All of these things were tied to, these willing offerings were tied to places of worship. It, it frees you up to give, to, to, uh, to worship. Giving frees you up to worship. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. How many times have you seen that? It's probably printed on offering envelopes, right? It's God loves a cheerful giver. He doesn't want you to give out of drudgery. Yesterday, I, this may be too personal. I don't know. Is it too personal about the package we got yesterday? And, uh, okay, she doesn't remember. I got underwear from Amazon yesterday. Okay? <laughs> Two packages. And so I proceed to open them up because you have to wash said underwear so you've got to take the cardboard and the little tape and the you know you got to take them out of the package right she's like what did what what did you say what did you say oh i was gonna put one of those in your stocking she says and so i proceed to open it up real fast and i'm like no you can't it's open now because i don't want underwear in my stocking right why did I not want underwear in my stocking? Because that's kind of a grudging gift. You know what I mean? It, it, that's the closest I believe God delivered my underwear yesterday, specifically for this illustration. Michelle, this is not a good day. It isn't. It isn't. Was it? Um, she does. Oh, believe me. I know. I know she plans ahead. So, but... But nobody wants underwear for their in their stocking for Christmas. Okay, Shane does. There's very few people that want underwear in their stocking. It does. Okay, you all are not following my point. 
My point is, let's not make that which is the mundane, that which is necessary, that which is a willing offering. Those are two different things. Like, I want some chocolate, and I want a gift in my stocking that she's thought about. Like, and maybe she thought, you need underwear. I don't know. But, okay, I think you, I, I hope, I hope. Oh, at this point, I'm definitely getting more underwear. Even if I don't need them. It'll be like one of those fun ones that have like Tabasco bottles or, or flamingos or something. It'll be fun at this point. And if you have Tabasco or Flamingo underwear, you're fun. Okay. All right. So, this, so, so as, we, as we approach our last, our last point here, okay, as we approach our last point, this is the offering. Gold, silver, linen. I just pulled a few out. And, and obviously there were a bunch, right? I read them. And spoiler alert, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to go through those, those materials, okay? But they are only giving what they've received. This is really interesting. They've only, they're only giving that which they've received, right? In Exodus 3, way before the actual exodus of the children of Israel, when God's talking to Moses at the burning bush, right? And we saw, this, we saw this story or account repeated a few times as we went through our study. When ye go, ye shall not go empty, but every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in her house jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment, which is why I put gold, silver, and linen. And ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. Hey, if there was ever a picture of just managing God's stuff for a few months... It's this. They were given this stuff right before they left. We're only a few months into the actual exodus. Ah, that's why God gave us that stuff. So we could give it right back. So we could give it right back. I think it's super interesting to me that God delivered it to them. And if they thought for one minute, oh, this is now mine, that's where they went wrong. Everything that God's given you, he may ask for you to give it back. And you need to be prepared to do that. Whether it's your kids, whether it's your stuff, whether it's the place you live, whether it's your hopes and dreams in your career or your desires or your, your, what you want your retirement to look like, like you may need to give it. You may need to give it. They've only given that which they've received. And they're giving in part what remained from the golden calf incident. This was probably the most revolutionary moment for me in this study. Because if you, if you remember a few weeks ago, we looked at Exodus 32, right? Exodus 32 was the story of the people Pray, uh, you know, basically making a golden calf, right, with Aaron. And you remember what they did? They took their earrings, their gold earrings, they melted them down, and they made a calf, right? And uh, there was some debate about who made the calf, if you remember that, because the people made the calf, and Aaron made the calf, and calf made itself, and just some, some weird stuff going on there. All of this is very interesting timing, because in Exodus, in your first column, Exodus 25 happens 
the charge to give gold happens before the golden calf incident. The people don't know it yet. Moses has, Moses has heard from God, the people are going to give gold to help make the tabernacle. He then, in Exodus 30, um, uh, 32 and 33, encounters this whole situation, right? It's like craziness, right? And do you remember what happens? What did Moses do with the golden calf? Do you remember? He, well, he ground it up and he made him drink it. Put it in the water and made him drink it. Last time I checked, you cannot get gold like out of all, like, like, like I am glad the quarter made it. <laughs> but you are not fishing powdered gold out of the leftovers, if you know what I mean. Like, there's no way we're getting that back. It is wasted. Notice in Luke 15 and Luke 16, the prodigal son and the unjust steward are both documented as having wasted the resources. Waste, it's, a, it's the same concept. The word wasted actually means to scatter in the wind in a way that you take something and is it really gone? No, it still exists. It's just in small particles spread apart, right? You spread somebody's ashes, they, their particles are not gone. They're just spread apart. It's the same, it's the same with drinking the water, with the, with the gold. Like it's not technically gone, but it's wasted. But what's amazing and what's beautiful about this is there was still gold left to give. There was still gold left to give. So both the prodigal son and the unjust steward recovered from their situation, just like the children of Israel, despite a really bad move in building a golden calf. They still recovered from their situation. And they still had the ability to give. They still had the ability to give. I remember a young lady, I was, I was still in high school, Young uh, young lady got saved. She too was in high school. And I remember her, I don't remember the exact words, but the sentiment was, I've wasted my life. Now she's still in high school. And I, as far as I know, she's still alive. So like she's lived longer than she had, quote, wasted. And she couldn't wrap her brain around the fact that she had wasted her life up to that point. And it actually immobilized her. She couldn't get, she couldn't wrap herself around actually serving the Lord now because, well, I've wasted all my life and he may come back tomorrow. And it, it was like such a grief that it immobilized her. The prodigal son ultimately was not immobilized. He moved. The unjust steward was not immobilized. He went and did what he had to do to get money and to prepare for the future. The children of Israel still had to move forward in giving of the gold. There was still something left to give. I don't care what you've done. What, like if you've gone out and gone into super deep debt to, to get a boat and vacation property or, or what, like even if you haven't done it like at that level, if you've just been not a great steward of your resources and you're like, I wish things were different. Guess what? It is not too late. It is not too late to give it to the Lord now. It's just not. So these are the materials. 
You'll see this slide again in future weeks because we're going to need to break this down a little bit. But notice every one of these are naturally occurring items except brass. They didn't make gold. They didn't make silver. They made brass. Brass is actually the combination of um, copper and zinc, two naturally occurring uh, items. They probably learned that while they were in Egypt. Um, how to make brass. That's the only one that's, quote, made. But all otherwise, everything else is naturally occurring. We'll talk more about blue and purple and scarlet next week because the even those are a beautiful, beautiful picture. But fine linen was for woven flax, flax um, strings, goat's hair, ram skins, badger skins, shittim wood, oil, spices, onyx stones, and the general, uh, general stones. All of those things were naturally occurring. They were never the possession of the children of Israel. They never owned them. They were God's creation. Now, they all took some measure of, I called it processing effort, is your blank. Processing effort. Because you had to find the gold, silver, and brass if you were out in the, out in the wilderness or you used to had it from the Exodus, right? Or you had to take things and make brass. Or the blue and the purple and scarlet, they all come from small creatures like bugs and sea mollusks that had to be killed and crushed and processed to gather the, the color, the dye. They had to harvest the flax and process it into a, a thread or a yarn to make the fine linen. Goat's hair has to be cut. And I don't know, I've never sheared a goat. Might not be the easiest of processes. Certainly rams and badgers, they had to go through a, a killing and a leathering process. The shittim wood had to be cut down and, and, and hewn, right? The oil had to be pressed out of some other thing. Spices had to be picked and ground. Stones had to be found, cleaned, maybe even sometimes cut. But none of that <laughs> makes it the possession of the children of Israel. All of that is part of the offering. Please don't miss that. When you go to work and you get a paycheck, that's not your money. You say, but I worked for it. Uh, the last time I checked, I've said this before, you didn't cause your heart to beat. You took tons of breaths that day. You processed air, processed air that you never bought. You saw with eyes, with light that you didn't create. Your effort, yes, you put something into it, that too is a willing offering. It was never yours. This stuff was never theirs. It just wasn't. So 2 Corinthians 8.12. 2 Corinthians 8.12. For if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. Now when we read this, I've probably read this, I don't know, a hundred times, a thousand times. I couldn't even tell you. And I've always thought it has to do with how much income, right? A person that has more. That, like we don't judge based on whether they have or have not. We judge on faithfulness, okay? But there's another component. God's not judging you on the gold that you've made your golden calf with. If you have it today, give it today. And again, I'm not gunning for a large offering. 
That's not my point. This church has been exceedingly blessed financially. We do not beg people to give because we trust the discipleship process and the consecration process will cause people to align with the obedience set forth in scripture and they will do the right thing in giving. They'll do the right thing. And this is exactly what, so it's not what you do have or what you don't have, i.e. the calf and the, the gold dust that, that you wasted. It's about what you can do today. It's about how you can give today. So in Exodus 35, we read uh, verse uh, the, the, the preceding uh, before it, but notice, and they came both men and women, as many as were willing hearted and brought bracelets and earrings and rings and tablets, all jewels of gold. And every man that offered, offered an offering of gold unto the Lord. Like, I don't know if you caught it, but it was an offering. <laughs> every one. They were stirred in their heart. They were of a willing spirit. And then they took the things that were never really theirs and they laid them on the altar for the Lord. And as a result, a place of worship was built. It's a beautiful picture in our life. In order for you to be in a good place of worship for the Lord, you have to make sure you've offered what you've needed to offer. Okay? And if you take away from this that I'm trying to get more money in our offering plate... You've missed it because that's not the point. Everything you are comes from the Lord. Like you didn't develop you. You were born. Uh, I've heard people say, well, I I didn't even want to be born. Well, whether you wanted to be born or not, God put you here. So you better start living according to his plan. Like, like, come on. So please, please give the offering to the Lord that you need in order to worship. Let's pray. Lord, we...